Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Oh, we have a God that loves us. Amen. If there's anything that we need to tell our children, that's it. Parents, today, if there's one truth that you can give your kids, is to let them know that Jesus loves them, that God loves them. I'd like for you to take your uh, bulletin, if you would, and you can share with us in the notes to share with you as we take a little bit of a different approach from our study in Genesis. We're going to look at the standing on the promises of God, as the children sing, standing on the promises The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, he says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. We have a God who is faithful. And I want to share with you that God today. Maybe you've known this God for some time. Maybe you would like to be be introduced. Maybe you've never met him, but I want to introduce him to you this morning. All of us understand promises. We have had promises that have been broken to us, have we not? Have you ever made a promise and broke a promise? Yeah. Have you ever had a promise broken to you? Doesn't feel good, does it? Kind of devastates us. It kind of makes us feel, you know, less of a person than we are. Napoleon, a famous general and dictator there in France during the mid 18th century, or 19th century, I should say, is quoted as saying, if you wish to be a success in this world, promise everything, deliver nothing. Sounds like a, a, a politician today. Promise everything, but deliver nothing. Jonathan Swift, the famous author, writes that promises and pie crust are made to be broken. And it seems that's what the word promise means today it does not hold much weight with many people and so it's not surprising for you and I to many times go through life with uncertainty not really trusting people today promises are really seen to be made to be broken promises are broken each and every day between married couples who promise to hold and to to keep each other dear only to find as soon as they're Uh, disinterested they just break up the marriage or leave their children we do that with jobs we do that with responsibilities we break our promises each and every day but there is such a thing as a promise of someone who is faithful the Bible reveals that God is a faithful God on the screen you'll see Psalms 89 verse 8 which says O Lord God of hosts who is mighty as you are O Lord with your faithfulness all around you. The Bible reveals that God is a faithful God. He is someone that we can rely on, someone that we can put our trust in. With respect to God's promises, He always does what He promises to do. And we can depend on Him never to be unfaithful to His promise. Thus, we say He is a God of faithfulness. He's someone that you and I can trust on we can stand and bank on that faithfulness there's a definition i like for you to write down it's going to be on the screen here about 
Wayne Grubman when he speaks of God's faithfulness. He says, God's faithfulness means that God will always do what He has said and fulfill what He has promised. Amen? You and I do not know too many people like that. But God's faithfulness means that God will always do what He says and fulfills what He promises. We can trust on Him. He can be relied upon and He will never prove unfaithful to those who trust what He has said. Indeed, the essence of true faith is actually taking God at His word and relying on Him to do as He has promised. You'll see our VBS verse this week for the children was found in Psalms 145. I'm going to give you the whole verse. They just memorized a portion of it. But it says, Your kingdom, speaking of God, is an everlasting kingdom, and your, your dominion endures through all generations. But he goes on to say, The Lord is faithful to all His promises and loving toward all He has made. And if you guys can just keep that up for a moment, because I want to break that down for you and I. You and I live in countries and in a country in which the politician and the political power changes all the time. It seems like really what they do is they just stick a finger in their mouth and then put it up in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. And that's the promise they're going to make for this moment. It's like when uh, uh, George Snopolis, the, uh, the uh, spokesperson for George Clinton, one time says that the president has kept all the promises that he, made, that he decided to keep. You know, it's like, what? He, did, he kept all the promises he decided he made. Well, you look at that, and that's the type of place we have. You never know which way the politicians are going to go. You never know which way the country is going to go. But here we have a kingdom and a ruler whose dominion is forever. And that's the glory about what we look at this verse, as the Lord is faithful to all, to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. And as we think of that, that's talking about you and I. For as we looked in Genesis, it was on the sixth day that he made man. And in that regard, he made you and I. And he says he's loving towards all he has made. Father, we just come before you this morning. We ask for your strength and for you to give us discernment. Would you break through any barriers that might be this morning due to languages, due to uh, distractions, due to just all that's going on, Lord, that you may be glorified, that we may hear your word. And Lord, your Holy Spirit had free work to work in each heart. And Lord, may we learn to trust in you this morning in a great and mighty way. I want to share with you five, five promises that the young people learned this week. And even many times you think, well, VBA, VBS, Vacation Bible School, Sunday School, that's for children. You may be asking, why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to belong to a church? What good is it for me? What, what good is it for me to read the Bible? Isn't that something that's just for children that they learn until confirmation and they're okay? Well, I'm going to share with you it's very important because the promises that God made is not only for children, <coughs> excuse me, but it's also for you and I. And these are promises that you and I need to hold dear to and we'll share with you in a little bit as we look at the foundation on which you and I stand. First promise that we saw this week is that God has promised that I am with you. The Bible tells us it is the Lord who goes before you. 
He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Do you ever feel like you're alone in this world? Do you ever feel like it's only you, it's you against the world? Do you ever struggle with loneliness and fear? Well, here we have Scripture says that God says for those that He loves, that those that He's called, He says that He is with us. He cares for us. He's with us. We're never alone in that regard. The second promise that he shared with us is that I care about you. I care about you was number two. And we see that in Lamentations chapter 3 where he says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. I'm sure there's been times in each and every one of your lives that you've wondered, does anyone care? Maybe there's been times at night when you're asleep or ready to fall asleep and you just feel like there's no one else in there who cares about you. You don't feel maybe your parents or your brothers or sisters, or maybe your spouse, or maybe the world at all. But let me tell you, God cares about you. And what we see here is His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And so there's a hope each and every morning. No matter how difficult each day is, there's new hope. There's something about that. We understand that. Is when we see the dawn approaching, the sun rising, there begins a new thrill that's a new day. We understand that. And that's what the Bible tells us is His cares about you. The third promise that we need to understand is that He gives us what we need. He gives us what we need. A little bit earlier, uh, Dustin read that verse where he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Look at it, it says in Matthew 6. He says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? Have you had days like that? I know that we've had. What am I going to eat today? What are my children going to wear? How, what am I going to provide for school? What about my car? We've all had times like that. But in verse 42, for 30, 31, he says, don't worry about it. He says, for the pagans or those who do not love God run after all these things. And he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need him. But he tells us instead to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And he says, all these things will be given to you as well. Many of you have heard my story of how God has provided for my family time and time again. Has there ever been time that I've been in want? Yes. But in want and in need is two different things. And many of you can probably attest to the point is that God has met you at your deepest need, has He not? There are times when you probably despaired of what to eat or what to drink or where there's going to be a roof on your head. But God says, I will give you what you need. If you seek after me, my promise is, I will take care of you. That's a promise of a loving father to his own children. The fourth promise that we saw this week was, I will save you. And that was found in Psalms 27 where he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, 
my adversaries and foes. It is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Here's what we see from the psalmist. One who was in fear for many years of his life, running from an enemy in which he did no harm. But in this case, he says, I will save you. I will protect you. How many times are we ready to to raise up our arms and fight for our defense? God says, I'll be there for you. He says, I will protect you. Don't worry about the enemy. Don't worry about the government. Don't worry about this or that. Don't worry about your neighbors. Vengeance is mine, he says. Let me trust in the one who will keep me. He says, I will save you. Not only that, as we will see later, not only does he save us from our enemies, but he saves us from the greatest enemy that we have, that of sin and death. The Lord will rescue us. He sends a redeemer. The fifth way in which he promises is that he will answer us. He will answer us. Psalm 69 says, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. What do we see here is that when we call out to him, when we seek after, when you genuinely see, Lord, answer me, we see the scripture says that he promises is that he will answer us. And I'm sure there's been times in your life as just as mine as it seems like he wasn't. You cried out and you heard silence. You could hear the pin drop. But let me share with you, there is a promise that God will answer us. He will answer us in our times of need, in our times of distress, in our times of fear. God does answer. Why? Because that's the promise that God made. He's given us five promises. He says, I'm with you. I care about you. I'll give you what you need. I will save you and I will answer you. That's the Bible. That's what the Bible has revealed is the type of God that we have. And let me give you something a little bit extra. Is in everything there, the Bible is giving you a very personal God. I don't know what your reaction or what your experience is with God, but many times we think of God as very far away, someone that I can't even approach. Many times I feel like, well, I need a priest or a church or something else to present myself before God. But the Bible says that we can have an intimate personal relationship between God. I don't need someone else to stand between me and God. I don't need to say, well, can you go and pray for me? Can you forgive me? Can you take my confession? What he says here is, no, go before him because he is a personal God who wants to hear you. Scripture tells us that we can cry out, Abba, Father. And that word Abba is an Arabic term that actually means daddy. It means intimacy. Just as your little child can come and cry to you, Daddy, Daddy, or Mommy, Mommy, when he's hurt, or when he's scared, or when he's alone. He looks to you for comfort. In that same way, the Bible says that you can have that type of relationship with a God who is faithful to hear you, to protect you, and take care of you. That's the type of God I'd like to introduce to you this morning. Now, the Bible reveals what type of God he is. 
He tells us that He is a faithful God and that He's a God who can be relied on and be trusted to fulfill His promises. As you look on the screen, I want to share with you, is that then when God reveals something to us, He's calling then for you and I to respond to that revelation. And He calls on us to respond in faith. And we respond in faith by trusting in God completely to provide comfort in times of loneliness and fear. To provide for my basic needs and to provide for my salvation. So many other times we're looking for other people and other things to provide the times of comfort and loneliness. We look for, you know, we look for the power of positive thinking. Maybe we look for Oprah, Dr. Phil, or alcohol, or or drugs, or sex, and other pleasure experiments. Why? Trying to fill that need, trying to find comfort. The Bible says that will not bring you any satisfying comfort. The only way to do that is to trust in the one who's made good promises. We need to understand for basic needs. It's not your job, it's not the government, it's not someone else who's going to provide your basic needs, but it's God Himself. They say, but no way, I work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours to provide for me and my family, but yet even that is from God. Those strong hands, that strong back is a, is a gift from God to you. And you must recognize that, that every breath you take, every matter of strength that you take is a gift from God to you each and every morning. Many of us have known men and women who've relied on their own strength only to find themselves uh, crushed by health problems or mental problems, mental health relationships, and so on and so forth. So what God is calling us is not to rely on that retirement, not to rely on that benefit package, not to rely on that pension, but to rely on the one who gives us our basic needs. But then also, as that last one said, we respond in faith by trusting God completely for my salvation. You see, there's many of us that are still trying to work our way to heaven. We're trying to do good deeds. And the Bible tells us that we are to good deeds, but the Bible says even your good deeds will not get you to heaven. See, you can do all the soup kitchens, you can do all the prayers, all the Bible studies, all the going to the churches, everything that they tell you to do, but it does not make you right with God. The Bible says that all of our our, our righteousness are as filthy rags. And still we come short of the glory of God. And so the only way for you and I to receive heaven is not through some blessing, it's not through some confirmation, it's not through some catechism, it's not through some religious uh, um, uh, rigmarole, but it comes by trusting that Jesus provided everything needed for our salvation want to change direction here because as i give you the promises of god god reveals that he is a faithful god and because he's faithful and his promises are true you and i are to respond by completely trusting and relying on him however i want to ask the questions as we're talking about standing on the promises is are you living on that foundation what are you building your life on? What's the foundation for your life? What promises are you relying on? 
It could be your salary. It could be benefits and pensions, family, friends, maybe luck, good fortune, hard work, or the lottery, whatever it may be. You're building upon something. If you're not building upon the promises of God, you're building on the promises of something. It could be just good hard work. It could be the fact of the promises the government's going to provide for you. It could be the promises or the allure of winning some big type of money. James Dean said, live fast, die young, and leave a good-looking corpse. That was the promises that he stood on, and he lived out that promise, did he not? Machiavelli, who was a diplomat and political philosopher, here's what he stood on. Listen, he says, I desire to go to hell and not to heaven. In the former, in hell, I shall enjoy the company of popes, kings, and princes, while in the latter, while in heaven, are only beggars, monks, and apostles. His foundation crumbled beneath him as he stood before a holy God. And it's the same for any atheist or those who stand on something other than the promises of God. They will find themselves crumbling and sinking sand. Grudman's definition of God's faithfulness also affirms that God's words are both true and the final standard of truth. We can believe so many different things. But in the end, it's only God who is reliable and faithful in His words. Even our, even our coin, our American currency says it, in God we trust. Others you what? Verify, right? I think that's that old phrase. So what are you trusting in today? What is it that you have both feet firmly planted? For some of you, it could be your relationship within your marriage. Some of you, it could be your family. Some of you, it doesn't matter. It could be in so many different things, but yet you're going to find that ground is shaky ground. See, I want to share with you, you need to build your house on the promises of God. And you see here in Matthew chapter 7, there's a passage of Scripture it says, build your house on the rock. Look at what we see here in Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus speaking, everyone who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because had it been founded on the rock. You and I understand that. Even here, especially in California, if you're going to build a house that's going to withstand an earthquake, you're going to build on a strong foundation, something that's not going to be shaken when a quake comes. And Jesus is saying, if you hear my words and do them, you're a wise man. Why? Because when the rains come and the floods come, your house will stand firm. But listen, there's another word that he has to say as he goes on in verse 26. For he says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew it against it, that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You and I again understand this. You build a beach house, you don't build it right on the beach without some type of foundation. Why? Because you see that land just moves and, and goes wherever it takes 
Maybe you've known someone who's lost their house because of a shaky foundation. So what are you building your house on? Are you building it on the promises of God? Or are you building it on something else? And that something else may sound good. It may be morally good. But yet, if it's not based on the words of God, then your foundation will fall. For one day you'll stand before him and give account of whether or not you trusted God or you didn't trust God. See, for you and I, the only people that you and I trust, for the most part, is ourselves, right? We just trust ourselves. But let me tell you, we cannot be trusted. We're not reliable. We're not faithful. Look in the mirror. Examine yourself, and you'll see that it's true. God's called us to trust him. So let me ask you today, do you want to be a wise man, a wise woman, or do you want to be a fool? fool has said in his heart, there is no, and lives his life as if God doesn't exist. And there are some of you today that are living your life, that are making decisions, that are going on without realizing that God exists. You may say, oh, there's a God, but yet you live your life as will never stand and count for him one day. But let me share with you, God has a great promise. And that promise is if you trust in him, he says you'll have a firm foundation. Just join with me as we just look at this last passage. I want to spend just a little bit of time here. It's found in Romans 10, 13. And it's one of the greatest promises that are found in Scripture. Would you read that out loud with me? Ready? Let's read that out loud together. Ready? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Once again, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? And here's the thing that I want to share with you today. If you want those promises, if you want that strong foundation, then I call on you today is just to call on Him. Say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I desire you and I want to submit to your Lordship today recognizing that standing on any other promises other than God is futile. It is no good. It is shaky, shaky ground. And all we have to understand is that no longer can I care for myself. No longer do I have to be lonely. No longer do I need to work for everything for my, and trust and rely only on myself, but trust in the goodness of God what Jesus Christ, you see what Jesus Christ came to do is something that you and I could not do. For God says, only those who are holy and righteous can stand before me. But the Bible says that we're all guilty of sin. He says, there's none righteous, no, not, not one. That includes me, that includes Jeff, it includes Dustin, it includes little Charlotte who's two years old today, and includes my grandson who's only six weeks old. Six, seven weeks old. Seven or eight now. Seven weeks old today, or yesterday. Why? Because we're all born in sin. And the wages of that sin is what? Death. But he says the gift of God is eternal life. So what he calls us to do is to repent of doing our good works. 
and recognizing that going to church, that going to Mass, that, that taking all the, the, the sacraments and doing all the good things that you and I try to do, he says, are not, will not get you into heaven. But it's trusting that Jesus Christ did it when he was on the cross. For not only did he take my sin, but he gave me his righteousness. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, just stand on that promise. You could do that right now. You could say, Rob, I'm trusting that what Jesus did made me right before God, and I believe it, and I'm going to walk it. That's all you have to do today. And I call on you today for the first time, if you've never done that, say, I repent of work of the dead works, and I'm going to trust in what Christ has done for me. That's our prayer for you. And that way you have that foundation. Your God has called you a wise man. So not only the promises, I am with you, I care about you, I give you what you need, and I will save you and answer you. We respond by trusting him completely. And I want to challenge you to do that. And then there's one last one I want to share with you. Is the other way that you and I respond in faith is by declaring God's faithfulness to others. Look at Psalms 49 where he says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation congregation behold i have not restrained my lips as you know O lord i have not hidden your deliverance within my heart i have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation i have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation that's what god has called us to do this morning would you respond in faith to his great promises father we just come before you and we ask you for your strength Lord, to understand your word. Lord, it can be very difficult at times. But Lord, I pray where we are today that we would stand on your promises. Help us to see how sweet they are. Lord, help us to see how strong you are, how reliable you are, how faithful you are. And Lord, I pray that you would call us to repent of our dead works and that we would turn and put our trust in you as a good and faithful God. Would you save us? this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.